Hey, Rusty. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? Very good. I'm seeing your book everywhere, The Property Wealth Blueprint. What's what's happening? Yeah, no, look, it's, we are so pumped up. The book is very much loved and sought after. It has gone number one bestseller on Amazon. We, Rupal and I, actually narrated the whole book ourselves as well, and it's available on Audible. And uh, yeah, like we're getting good traction. So I think the content is probably powerful. Yeah. Have you got a copy with you at the moment? Yes, I do. I carry it all the time now. <laughs> the Property Wealth Blueprint. <laughs> yeah. So, and where can people access that book? Because I know it's, I've read the book. It's it's an absolute gem. Where can people find it? Sure. So it has its own website as well, thepropertywealthblueprint.com. And the free there's one of the free chapters there available, which is probably the crux of like how to think about portfolio. So if nothing else, one can just go and access that chapter. And it's available online for one to purchase. What we are doing is because we know it's a great value and we really want it to be accessible to almost everyone out there. We are actually letting it for anyone to have for free. All they have to do is just cover the shipping and handling charges and they can get it. Otherwise, there's a Kindle available, Kindle version available from Amazon, as well as it's available on the bookstores as well on any in multiple book websites as well. That seems like a good deal. Now, Rusty, how many personal properties are you up to now? Is it around 15? 15 it is. 15, unbelievable. So good. Um, your business has been going from strength to strength. How long have you been running the, the buyer's agent business for now? So it was in September 2019. We decided to go and have a bit of crack on buying properties for other people as well. Like I've been doing it for the last 12 years, like firstly for myself, my family, then for my friends and their friends. And I never thought about running a business. It was more of a hobby, passion, while I was focused on my corporate role. And it was in 2019, I decided that, okay, now we should be running our business so that we can reach out to more people, inspire more people. And of course, you know, there's a lot of the, the licensing and everything we have to wait. So it was February 2020 that we started, coinciding with the onbreak of COVID. So we are a COVID business, effectively. You'd hope you'd be a resilient business if you got through COVID, which I'm sure you guys are. Uh, no, certainly, certainly. We have done very well. We have done very well in the sense that because our focus has been on education and people really, you know, during the COVID years, people were maybe started realizing that it's family that they have got. They have, you know, a property to live in and that's their world rather than the corporate world They were where they were spending time. And the question mark on the, on the future, this uncertainty around it, relying on the job, actually all those things actually made people think about it they had some time to themselves as well to think because they were not really traveling to work. So they were saving some time, spending time with family. They realized that how important it is having a bit of time for themselves as well to think what they really want in life. So I think from that point of view, because our focus has been on education, not just property. I mean, property is part of it as a strategy to build wealth for the future. But I think because people had some time, it was kind of a blessing in a disguise in a way. Yeah, and I can definitely see online. I mean, your marketing's excellent. I guess you've got a lot of success stories. You, you're working with hundreds of clients, but it does seem apparent that you are very, very focused on education. I mean, you're running these extremely sex, successful virtual events. I mean, I spoke to someone a few weeks ago. They saw you at, a, I think, a live event that you're doing at a, a property expo. Is that right? That's right. So are these virtual events that you're running, are they to also, I'm assuming, educate as well people? Is that correct? Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, if I take a step back, that the reason why we started this business is more primarily to educate and bring the value about thinking long term, having a strategy mindset, rather than just thinking about our transaction as in buying our property. So that was the reason, the prime reason why we started this business. And of course, you know, education by itself is not enough if you don't implement or execute it. 
And that's how we started the second leg or the secondary leg, you know, in, as a business of a buyer's agency. So we like to call ourselves as a strategist, as an educator first. Then for someone who really want to use our services, of course, we can help them, handhold them and work as a buyer's agent. So the first leg or the primary goal that we started with, the reason why I should let my, let my corporate role go was only to inspire people. And that's what this all, the things that we are doing around workshop, the virtual events, the master classes, uh, that's uh, an effort towards that, that direction to inspire people. Good on you, man. I think it's so great. And they're going strength to strength. Like we kind of uh, attendees that we, people who register and then they attend and the feedback that we receive motivates further to do more and more and more. Mm. Good on you. I, I'm so happy because, you know, not that everyone's focused on the transaction, they're not. But like like you said, you, it seems like your differentiator is you're not there just to run a strategy and buy the property. You're, you're there to educate, inspire people. And I'm assuming even if they don't decide to use you, you've given them information to walk away with so they can, I guess, create a better future, right? Exactly right. And look, like I was actually asked, I was telling that why I'm actually putting everything in my book, because this is the kind of access that people will get to me in my, my insights, my knowledge, and why I'm actually putting the book, because I felt that this book can go for the distance. It, mm. It's not dependent on me. Um, and that's the reason I actually wrote this. And that, that's the same kind of mentality that I really want to help people to think about it. And it goes to my grassroots, that where I'm coming from. Um, as you know, like it's a humble beginning, didn't know what to do, struggled, moved some careers here and there, finally got to some point. And I realized that the kind of, I guess, success or the, the careers that I had is a perfect culmination to start building wealth by investing in properties. But not everyone is successful or not everyone is blessed to have that kind of a mindset as well as that kind of education behind them to be able to execute it. And that's the reason we thought that maybe I should package it together as a book or as a services or as an education you know, mindset that I, could, I should be giving to people. Um, and that's my way of giving back. This is my way of you know, leaving a legacy or inspiring people to think about their passion, think about their long-term journey. Well, you're very modest. Um... I know you've got a lot of degrees. I admire you, and you can you can talk us through them. Um, you've you've worked overseas. You've had an architecture background in architecture in funds management, where you've managed billions. I mean, just maybe just for the audience, just to share a bit around your background because it's very impressive. I think what you've done, and then now you've gone on to become an entrepreneur. I, I really admire it. Most people don't then become an entrepreneur; they get stuck in the grind. You got out, but we'll run us through that. Sure, I think it, it goes back to my childhood. Like I was very happy-go-lucky person, loved by my parents, my siblings, you know, my, my neighborhood. Like, I was, I've never worried about money or anything for that matter. 18 years of my initial life, like, you know, best time. Until the day that I, you know, got a shock of my life, walked into my home. Uh, my, 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 my uncle actually fetched me from my friend's place. I was sleeping over there as, an, you know, for the name of studies. I was brought back and I found that my father has passed away. You know, my mother was sitting next to the body and she was just hysterical. She was crying and I just didn't know what to do. I just made a promise, mom, I'm here. Don't worry about it. I didn't know what that meant then. I was, you know, 18 years old. And, um, and I realized that now I actually made a promise. Being the only son of my parents, I should do something now. And the only thing that an average middle class family in India can do as a kid over there is to pursue education. And that's what exactly I did. From then, I actually, I wanted to be an architect because I always felt that properties is the most tangible 
form of art and science together. And I wanted to be an architect. I became one. So I got in the engineering entrance competitive exam, got, became an architect or almost about to become an architect. I realized in my fourth year of degree, like it's a five-year degree pro- program. In my fourth year, I realized, okay, I can become an architect. That's just serving me. But how would I serve my parents as my mother and my, you know, the household expenses? Because money in architecture in India comes a bit slow, a bit late in the stages. We have to work very hard as an apprentice and we don't really get paid maybe until 10, 12 years in the job. And I realized that, you know, I really need to you know, step up. And for that reason, I started learning programming as an IT programming on my own. Of course, I finished my degree program, but the intent was that I would really want to become a software engineer, do some programming, and that's what I did. So I finished my degree program. I was still, as a merit student, I got some awards on the way, but my focus was to chase money then. So I became a programmer, which took me to places from India to Singapore. And with a focus back on the same promise that I made, it's about me learning and doing better in my life. I actually went for my part-time studies in master's of computer science. So I, be- I got my master's of computer science. I was, I was very happy working as a software engineer in a multinational firm in Singapore. I was doing all right as in terms of the money that I was making, but I really wanted to make money work harder for us. So what I did, I started investing whatever money I could save, I was putting in stock market, I was buying real estate, wherever I could do back in India. And that's what I did. And then that, the job, in the search of work-life balance, I came here almost in 2006, about 16 years ago when I came here. I was very happy, spent maybe a year or a year and a half in IT job. And I really thought myself, like, now this is work-life balance. I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. I served the promise that I made to my mom. Where, where am I in this story? You know, yes, I enjoyed making money, but I really what I enjoyed most was making money work harder as a passion or the hobby of investing money in stock market, which I was reading almost every day. And I thought maybe IT was an accidental career for me. I should pick my own career now, call it midlife crisis or whatever. What I did, I quit my full-time job in IT. It was a very good job. And I went for my full-time MBA with the idea of getting into cracking into the finance industry here in this, in, in this country. and. I didn't know that it was not easy at all. Uh, you know, just by doing MBA, this country doesn't really just let you in like that. It really relies on what you have done in the past. So for that reason, I actually did a lot of work. You know, yes, I did full-time MBA, even went to U.S. for studies. One of the best schools over there, uh, Chicago Booth Business School. Came back, have to do CFA, which is another coveted certification. People do take a few years. I was able to manage it in three years itself. That got me in a job in Westpac Bank as an equities analyst. That's where I got what I really want to do, trading stocks, helping people, advising them where they should be investing. And I'm talking to the private bankers here. So I got in the research house, so advising the advisors, basically. And uh, then move up the ladder, use my IT skills as well, use quantitative database modeling and whatnot to move up the ladder. At AMP Capital, in my next job, I was managing $2 billion funds. It was all good. And, you know, on the sidelines, I was still my passion of investing for myself, passion of real estate, the architecture, database research, and the economic research. I put all of them together to build my portfolio. Of course, in the beginning, I didn't have much money. It's another story. <laughs> I had to borrow money from my credit card to get into it for the deposit for the first one. I had to wait for that money to grow, as in the equity to grow. Took that out, paid off my credit card, realized that it's working very well. I should do more. And then I kept on doing one after the other because I had a plan. I didn't really put my money like that. I actually studied 14 months, read probably almost any book 
out there, even US books as well, like how people are making money in property investing. What is the plan? Why successful people are successful in investing in properties and why an average people just get stuck after one or two properties. The statistics says it all. It's only less than 1% of property investors in this country have more than five properties here. So I studied all of that because of the mindset of the education. And when I did it, I was very happy and uh, like, you know, nobody can rock my boat kind of a thing, you know, like best job I, I really aspired for. I actually got it using all the skills together to build my own portfolio passively. Not many people even knew that I had a portfolio. And I said, this is great. Like my corporate world, I was very happy, very, very happy until a day of reckoning came, challenged me, spearheaded me, you know, and asked me this question, like what am I made up of? What I have done for myself is great. What I have done for others. And that's where the whole idea of sharing my knowledge, sharing my insights with other people came as a prime goal of my life. My family joined me together. So this is where we are now. Man, what a resume. I think it's it's very, I mean, I've done one degree and that was enough. But I mean, I guess you've done degrees in just, I guess, completely different industries. Um, you've, you know, worked overseas. Good on you. I think it's impressive. I, I want to address something. You mentioned less than 1% of people own five or more properties. And then you were talking earlier about the word plan. Like, why do you think it becomes such a bottleneck for Australians when it gets to three or four or five to keep going. Sure. I think the, I can answer this question as an analogy if that's okay. You know, lots of people try to put one floor in a building. They think that this is what I can afford today. Let's buy or let's build a three, four room house as a floor and then they put it. Later on, they might, you know, the need might be there. The family might be increasing in size or they have more resources to put on the floor. So they'll come back again and they put on the floor on top of it. Other few years passes by, there's more resources and they try to put on a third floor on the top of the two floors that they built. But they might get stressed because they didn't really have the plan, they didn't really have the foundation because after second floor or third floor, maybe they can't really put the, on the additional floor. On the contrary, if you, one has to build a multi-story building, they really have to have not just the plan, the vision, but the resources in their mind that how will they go about planning for it. Because the, you know, Benjamin Franklin said that if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. The thing is, it really comes down to the property investing as well, from the same point of view that people think one thing at a time. It's like one ton at a time for their long-term journey. On the contrary, if you start with the end goal in mind, having a very good vision, what that life looks like, how they can design it first, then work it backwards as a concept, and then do the right foundation work. So coming back to your question directly, lots of people get stuck because A, they don't know what's the risk parameter parameters looks like. People are a bit afraid of taking debt. The key distinction is whether it's a good debt or a bad debt. Not a single company that I know of, not a single developed country I know of has not borrowed money. Borrowed money is good if it is used for the good reason, as in for, if there's a right reason behind it. It's a good reason for it. So A, it's more about the mindset sometimes, the, the shift, uh, because traditionally we have learned to pay off our home first, not borrow money, not borrow money. It's it's you know, it's wrong thing to do because there was no financial literacy given to us in our education system. And that's what the challenge is. It's not everyone, it's not people's fault. It's the education system to be blamed here because we are not taught, we are not, we are not learning in our formal education the power of investing, the 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 risk that one should be thinking of taking. The system is teaching us to become a very good doctor, very good engineer. They teach us how to how to earn money. 
but the system is not there to teach us how to invest or use that money for our own future self. So the mindset is the biggest one. But if you go in the details, nitty gritty of it, it's probably about the borrowing capacity as well. Because, you know, the banking sector, sometimes the banks might say that you can't borrow more because after two or three properties, people get stuck. The bank starts saying, no, you can't borrow anymore. And that's why you probably really need a very good resourceful mortgage broker who can work with your long-term plan, understand your resources, your constraints, and then work with the bank's policies to get the right loan. So mindset, the right borrowing structure, the right team, which has to be start, like we start, we have to start with the right structure in the beginning itself. If I put a wrong block first and try to come back later on, too late sometimes. So starting the end goal, having the right foundation, having the right team are the cornerstone to be able to achieve that successfully. And that's what I learned in my research, you know, why people are successful. So if you get the right, the key thing, if I can say it in a bit more succinct way, is that property investing has to be considered as a business by itself. It's a business of investing. Now, for any business, one has to have a business plan and a business team to execute on it. One doesn't really have to take a very active approach of doing running around just like what I did in the beginning, you know, going for every weekend uh, open homes and putting the kids in the back and just making a hell of for the whole, the whole family and then committing wrong mistakes over there on the, on, on the journey. Because when we spend so, so much time, two, three months, which is a typical average time for anyone to understand the market, they feel frustrated already by that time. And then they commit because they think that uh, the, the sales agent who was very friendly is actually serving them and they buy the property. So it's really about right strategy, then picking the right region, then comes the right place, then comes the price. But unfortunately, people just think about property in the price. Strategy piece is entirely missing for that average investor who gets stuck after one or two. You've raised some very, very big points. Um, I think the educational system being flawed is a huge one. And it seems like you're really filling that hole through what you're doing with education, which I think is phenomenal because it's, it's incredible that it's not, we're not taught at school around investing in property and how to manage money and good debt versus bad debt, like you said. So I think that's a very important point. And I think that is definitely a reason why so many Australians fail when buying property. And from what I'm hearing, right, it seems like if people don't have solid foundations, in terms of building out that strategy and the team and just what the executional plan will look like, like you were giving that example with building, it's just going to be very hard to keep adding flaws. And so, correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm hearing is you get in there with your clients and you develop a very, very strategic plan at the beginning. And that way, you can just keep accumulating more properties. Is that correct? Exactly right. So just in Simon's next words, like we should always start with the end goal in mind. Mm. So we are talking about, and this is what I actually learned in my architecture field as well. We don't really get in the components of the building. We think about the building, the purpose, and work with the constraints as well, like what we can achieve with these resources. And believe it or not, when like my session with them and we are talking about strategy, it's more about painting that picture, like how it would look like, the life would look like for them after 15 years when they have done something like this. The challenge is that we have forgotten about all our desires. When we are growing up, we have so many things to think about, things that we really wanted. But the challenges of life, you know, working nine to five, getting stuck in that grind, and then just talking about the weekend coming in, and then we think about Monday blues, and then we, the, start, the whole week starts again. Yes, we have some plans as a family that, okay, annually we need to take some leave off and whatnot, and we get into that grind. Like, this is what's happening. This is what we are doing. But, you know, it's more about, visualizing what 
what life you want first. Let's talk about that. And then work it backwards whether it's possible or not. If not, then what really needs to be adjusted? Maybe it's just the expectations. Or maybe it is very much achievable. And that's what we are finding when we are working with busy professionals. They have resources. All they don't know is the know-how. So we work with a long-term plan that what they really want, visualize it, and that gives them the kind of, I guess, the push or, or, or you know, the, the, the power that what is the look or the view on the top of the hill is that allow them to climb up the hill very quickly as well because it's their journey. We're just assisting them. So believe it or not, it's, our first session is more philosophical and, and, and talking about the mindset, and we don't even talk about properties because property is the way to get there. It's not the end goal. The end goal is wealth or the freedom. Property is just one of the ways to get there. On the contrary, when I talk to people, people, you know, they, they book time in my calendar. Simply they say that, okay, I want to buy a property of this price. Great, let's do it. But hold on, let me ask why you want to do it. And there's sometimes there are wrong reasons. They have money in their bank and they really wanted to do something. It's like me saying, I got a car in my garage, I got, I got a fuel. That means I should go and drive because I can go for a drive without really thinking that what's my destination. So we, it's kind of a shake-up <laughs> Uh, to them sometimes that, okay, what are you talking about? Why are you asking these questions? And, and once they get it, they, they really are thankful for that conversation. So just that part, like whether they choose to work with us or not, doesn't matter, but we have actually seeded, seeded that thought that they really need to think through for the long term. And that's what we really enjoy as well, challenging people. You're a wise guy, Rusty, just listening to you. Um... As you know, obviously, clearly, my background's been in the buyer's agent space, and I think you're bringing a different energy, a different perspective, definitely to the table for your clients. And I'm, I'm assuming your clients would be very grateful and would really appreciate how you think about their future. And like you said at the beginning, you're not talking about property. You know, you're talking about uh, mindset. You're getting philosophical. You, you're you're talking around outcomes, and I think it's really powerful. I, I think you've got a very unique approach. I speak to a lot of different buyers agents and I think you uh, facilitated it in a very custom way. So well done. Thank you so much. And look, probably that's the reason why we get invited for this national expo is like I've, I've been speaking at, you know, expo in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. I'm getting re-invited for Sydney expo as a speaker on both the days, getting invited by some associations as well to share my thoughts, you know, how one should be thinking about property investing. So I'm pretty, you know, it's a responsibility as well. I never thought that I'll be running a business and then I'll be super busy, but I never single day I've felt that I'm actually working. So yeah, we are getting strength to strength for that reason, because we know that we're making a difference. And talking about your, you know, coming back to your question that how we are feeling about the people, I think first of all, the gratitude that we are getting, and also we are very grateful for them as well to believe in their own stories and that we are able to facilitate that. And um, some mutual respect for each other. And, and the thing is that it's the results are speaking by itself. On average, People that we are working with, 95% plus, they come back to them for the second property, third property, very, very quickly. There has been so many families that we have bought four properties within a year. Just because they have been sitting on the sideline, they didn't know what to do. Um, but everyone is different. And it's, it's, it's not just that we should go and buy it. It's, just, it's personalizing it for their risk profile, for their borrowing capacity, for their starting point and for their end goal. So everything is very much personalized. And thanks to my background in working in the advisory, like uh, research advisory, where I was talking to the financial planners, and maybe I'm using the similar language, though I'm not a financial planner. So uh, it's just bringing that kind of a perspective in the discussion. And um, we are enjoying it. We're loving it. 
Yeah. You, you, you offer, as I said earlier, it's, it's very unique what you're offering. Listening to what you're saying, I'm, I think because you're so aware of how flawed the educational system is around people understanding, let's say, how to invest in property and create a plan, I think because you're so aware of that, I think it's clearly why you're addressing it. And it's, I guess, it's, it's, it's going to put you in a different position to your competition because you are so focused on education. And I think that's critical. And I think that's going back to my question earlier, why do less than 1% own five properties? I think it's just this lack of education. And so I think someone coming into your ecosystem into get rare properties, not only are they going to get that property or the two or the three or the four or the five, whatever it is, they're going to come away really educated, which I think is a huge benefit. Certainly, it's a huge benefit. And I, I would also add this, that the completion is not with the other buyer's agents. To me, they are partner in what we are trying to achieve. The education, the execution, like we can only do limited work with the limited families that we are working with. The other buyer's agents are, are there as well who are doing exactly the same thing, like, you know, executing on it. So completion is not them. The completion is for the person who doesn't believe in property investing, the mindset that we are challenging. and then they're buying the wrong properties, you know, just because the selling agent was selling it or there's a developer trying to sell them home and land packages or of the plan property. I'm not against them. As long as they are the right fit for that family, by all means, one should go for it. So to me, it's about bringing it together, the awareness, like in this country, like if I look at other developed world or even some developing countries, the ratio of selling agents being used as well as the ratio of buyer's agents being used in a transaction are pretty much equivalent or they're respectful. Mm. Compared to here in Australia, I don't know why, what the reason is, but, you know, it's only less than 3% of the transaction which are using a buyer's agent behind it. So, completion is like looking for that rest of that 97% because we we are still growing and, and thanks to you and your institute that we are bringing awareness and getting people on the on the bandwagon that they can help other people as well. So congratulations to you and thanks to you for giving me that kind of support and platform as well to to help me where I am today. Thanks, Rusty. And yeah, I, I appreciate your perspective on that around the competition, around how you view them. And I think it's remarkable. I think that's that's how you look. I was just making that comment because I, I think the way you've set up your business is it's just it's different. And there's a lot of extra added benefits that your clients are getting, I feel that are coming along on the get rare property journey, which which I which I think is really cool. We've you know we've had chats offline, and I see also online with your daughter. Um, you're obviously you've turned her into this incredible entrepreneur. Is she, she's like running your marketing, or what's how old is she, and what's she doing? Yeah, no, she she's a very good kid. Like um, she turned fourteen last month in August. Yeah, no, she she's very good. She's very pumped up. She's She's learning a lot of things. She has been designing walkthroughs, like architectural walkthroughs um, when she was 11 years old. And I could see that she was passionate about, because she has, I mean, I won't blame her for what she is doing because when I was searching for the properties, she used to be the one in the child seat, you know, back and taking her out all the time, showing her the properties. And what can I talk about other than the properties? And now here she is. She understands the market. She She's you know, collecting her pocket money so that she can buy her own property as well sooner rather than later. She's she has just turned fourteen. Uh, she she is you know way beyond than what I was and what I would any, expect anyone to be there out there. So she has her own website. She is running a own business as well outside of what we are doing as property, and she's also assisting us 
in, in the marketing side of things and uh, the whole website design and things that goes out is actually designed by her. Even the book cover has been designed by her. And it's, it's just amazing, you know, like for me, it's, it's a point of contact. It's not like, I'm, of course, maybe I'm utilizing her. Uh, and uh, child labor, maybe people might claim. For me, it's a time that I'm able to spend. The quality time and her time, my time is used properly, effectively, in a more productive way. So, and she's doing, she's pretty good for her studies as well. So, because coming from the educational background, having focus on education, I believe formal education is very, very important. The only thing which is missing is about the entrepreneurial. And I'm trying to teach her, my younger sister, who is also on board. Good on you. You and Rapali, it's great that you're inspiring your daughter, like her entrepreneurial capabilities, and you're, you're allowing her to, I guess, pursue little projects like your book cover. And I know she does some hamper stuff, some marketing stuff for you guys. That's that's really cool. Well, Rasti, we're going to finish up. I know you're pretty popular on social, but where's the best place that people can can find you? Yeah, so social media. So uh, I'm very much on Facebook, very much on uh, LinkedIn, as well as on Instagram. But the best way for someone to reach out to me directly would be my website uh, because it has a link to the calendar where somebody can even have a chat with me one-on-one. -on -one. So the website address is getrare.com.au. And if you go for the forward slash ready, as in R-E-A-D-Y, they can actually book a time with me one-on-one -on -one if they have to or they want to. Again, um, I would love to hear a different perspective, different comments, and would love to catch up with almost everyone, time permitting. Rusty, I've enjoyed this conversation. Congrats on your success. You've really nailed it. You've got a lot of knowledge, a lot of skill, a lot of wisdom on the ground investing yourself. You bring a lot to the table. I really mean that. So, And I'm excited to see where you're going to be in a year from now and we're going to get back on and do another chat. So great to have you. My pleasure. Thank you so much once again.